Welcome to Building Wealthy Habits, a Tricord Advisors radio program. You will recognize Randy from Retirement Unlimited, a program that has aired on our station for over 15 years. Each week on Building Wealthy Habits, your hosts discuss life's hard financial questions relating to retirement, business ownership, and losing a spouse. Randy Barkley, Jeremiah Lee, and Laura Lee are CFP certified financial planners at Tricord Advisors, and Jeremiah is a California licensed attorney. If you have a topic you would like them to discuss on the air or would like to connect with them about your situation, visit their website, tricordadvisors.com or give them a call at 951-684-7011. Now, let's join the conversation on Building Wealthy Habits. Welcome back to Building Wealthy Habits, a video podcast by Tricord Advisors. I'm here today joined with Randy Barkley, who is the founder of Tricord Advisors, a certified financial planner. And today we're going to talk about Social Security. So this applies to retirees, but the point that we're making is really everyone as an adult should be thinking about this. It seems like for people in my generation, a long way off, but there's still some questions to be answered. So let's dive into some of Social Security 101. Okay. So the aspect of Social Security is that when it was started back in the 30s, that came kind of post, well, during the period of time that we would call the Depression. And mm-hmm. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, um, Pat, we, they Pat, during his administration, FDR. Law, FDR, and Social Security was not, it was not started to, to do 100% replacement of income. Mm-hmm. It was always set on about 40%. So Social Security was never intended to replace 100% of income. The alarming thing is for, for somebody like myself, who's in the millennials, or excuse me, in the baby boomers, mm-hmm. is that more and more people as they're stepping into retirement, that is their support. They rely on it. Yeah, I know that several people that rely on social security. Uh, maybe their sort of backup is uh, their home. If they own, if they're lucky enough to own a home free and clear. So I think of people that, for example, uh, if you run across a contractor or somebody who is, who just takes most of their revenue by cash, mm-hmm. one of the things they're trying to avoid is paying taxes, but they also avoid paying into social security. They're going to miss out on the benefit. And I, I'm not trying to judge people at this level, but at the same point in time, over 30, 40 years of working, mm-hmm. they are taking money out of their back pocket that they should be deserving. Not only that, but the benefits that they would receive mm-hmm. for them, but also for their family. So let's talk about some requirements there, because maybe not all of our listeners know in order to receive the benefit of Social Security, you have to have paid in for a certain amount of quarters ten, ten years. at a certain amount. Yeah, 10 years or 40 quarters, 40 quarters. and um, at a certain pay rate as well. So they have kind of a minimum income that you have to earn in order for the government to then say, yes, we will go ahead and pay you it's Social low. Security. It's pretty low pay rate, right? It is. Yeah. It's less than $2,000 if I remember right. per uh, quarter. Right. Um, and so then let's talk about the, the benefits and how they're structured because some people get confused between the ages by which they can start to receive Social Security. Yeah. And I think I think that people get Medicare confused with Social Security. They think, okay, my Medicare, Medicare is your health insurance benefit that you paid into, also requires a 10 years or 40 quarters to pay mm-hmm. in to receive it or your spouse. Um, but Social Security has different ages, different timelines that a lot of people don't really catch on to until we sit down and really talk to them, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So say to me in general, is there a benefit to taking Social Security early? Well, it, it, and of course, the answer is always it depends. Mm-hmm. So for example, I'll use my uh, household as an example. Uh, my wife uh, worked just a few years, but she was a stay-at-home mom and she raised our children. 
And so the Social Security benefit that she acquired or she built up, she did work for 40 quarters, so she got Social Security. But her benefit about was really minimal. Mm -hmm. So what we decided that for her benefit that she paid into, that she would start her Social Security as soon as she was available, which was age 62. Mm -hmm. And she started receiving her benefit. But when I reached age 70, what we did is we dropped hers and then she receives 50% of my Social Security benefit at my full retirement age. Now, I just said a whole okay. bunch of whoa, stuff. Whoa, here. whoa, whoa, yeah, that whoa. Just, whoa. Let's just take it. Okay, 62. So here's what let's let's clarify this for listeners. So 62 was the earliest that she could start receiving yeah. Social Security. She went ahead and activated it. Now, had she waited until 70, her full retirement age. No, her full retirement age would have been 66 in some months. 66 in some months. Okay. Yeah, 60, yeah whatever it is. You know, they, they, that's a moving target all the time, it seems like, over the last several years. Well, then if she activated it at 62, can she ever go back and say, oh, I want to change it now. I want to stop it. And yeah, I there's, restart. There, there's some provisions for that, but you have to pay it back and it becomes really complex. I, I mm-hmm. don't suggest people enter into that game, so to speak. So for the most part, when you opt to start taking your social security benefit, you are locked into that benefit rate, so to speak, without some some real detailed complications. Right. <laughs> You're locked into that rate going forward. You are. And so again, a spouse, so mm-hmm. husband and wife, in this case, uh, I was the primary income earner. And my wife was, she had some income that she worked when she was in college when we first got married. And then she worked for a short time. And so that was accumulated, but her benefit was very minor. It was less than a thousand dollars a month at age 62. But when you look at the numbers, there's no reason for her not to collect it because that's her benefit. Mm -hmm. So when she goes as spousal benefit, in other words, off of my income, she would get 50%, which would be a substantially larger number for her. Mm-hmm. So she has the right to receive her benefit and then she can stop it. So she just basically cuts it off. Because she has access to your 50% Correct. of your benefit, which was higher than hers. Okay. So that makes sense. So then let's, you also said that you waited until 70. Now, why did you wait until well, 70? So there's a full retirement age. And this You're is You're exposing your age here just a little well, bit, okay. but young at heart, right? Well, most people are looking at the, at the, the, the podcast, video. they'll see that I'm not young. <laughs> But I, good. <laughs> I waited, I waited till 70. Mm-hmm. Now I have, a, everybody has a full retirement age and it's a number that it, it is moves slightly based upon legislation and what Congress has done here. But my full retirement age was basically 66, give or take a month or two. So that's when I could receive social security and still work. Mm. my earnings from work would not affect my social security benefit. And that's what most people don't realize. Mm. They could continue to work and still receive all their social security benefit. But I chose to wait until 70. So it was a voluntary thing on my part to wait until 70 to receive my benefit. Why would I do that? Two reasons. One reason is that every single year it goes up by 8% Mm -hmm. a year. You have Mm -hmm. an annual increase in your benefit. But also I have a wife that's younger than me. So Mm. what I wanted to do and her earnings were less than mine. I wanted to make sure that she received the maximum Social Security benefit mm-hmm. that would ultimately be beneficial to her mm-hmm. should I pass away before her. So that's that takes some expert planning right there, because essentially you said you could have taken the benefit at 66, but by waiting until 70, you increased your benefit by 32 percent, 8 percent per that's year. Not, that's not an insignificant number. That's 32%. Not, and I think most everyone would agree. You know, you can do the calculations. And, and at the end of the um, recording here, we'll talk about where you can get information about Social Security. Security online, but um, 
I think that when we go to calculate our social security benefit to look at a 32% increase by waiting four years, if like in your case, you had the benefit of receiving income, I know that uh, we've worked with clients that will choose in that gap to withdraw some from maybe a qualified retirement account or something along those Just lines. Just to delay it so they can get that additional To increase. delay it so they can get the increase in their social security benefit. So, And the biggest, biggest pushback that I get from clients, well, what if I don't live? Mm-hmm. And so there is a calculation on that. So if you die, if you delay your benefit till age 70, and let's say you could have taken it four years earlier, mm-hmm. um, if you die early, yeah, I mean, your benefits are, are permanently reduced, so to speak. You mm-hmm. don't get those benefits. Mm-hmm. But everybody's living longer than they than they feel like they're going to live. So right? a couple of things come to mind on that one, too, because, yes, people, people are living longer. That's true. Um, what happens if the spouse that was the higher income earner dies first? What sort of benefits does good, the survivor get? That's a really get? good question. So again, everything kind of zeroes around that full retirement age. Mm-hmm. And so that's really important to know what that is. And you have a social security benefit statement. Now, the social security now is sending them out online. They don't, they typically mm-hmm. are sending out to, to you. They don't send it by mail anymore. Mm-hmm. At least it's rare. And the uh, website is ssa.gov is where yep. you can go to request a statement. Correct. So then, um, it, so going back to your question, if the spouse passes away, the surviving spouse then has the ability to take the benefits at whatever age, mm-hmm. if providing that the the um, the higher earning spouse passes away within after their full retirement age. Again, I don't want to make this more complex than what it needs to be. Mm-hmm. But, but there, there is a benefit for the survivor. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you want to wait. Now, they could wait. Mm-hmm. But typically, the spousal benefit will kick in after full retirement age mm-hmm. based upon the deceased spouse age and benefits. And, such and, we, and we think about that full retirement age. But, you know, there's also been situations where one of the spouse, maybe the primary income earner, passes away and mm-hmm. and they have a family. They have dependents at home. There are certain provisions within the Social Security Code that allow the survivor to start receiving Social Security in fact, earlier. In fact, we have a client who had a late in life. Uh, she, he and his wife had a late in life uh, daughter mm-hmm. and he retired with full retirement age. He was above his full retirement age when he retired. But his daughter was below age 18. Mm, and still at home. And still, and still at home. And what happened, all of a sudden, he got this check for her. And he, went, he called me up. He says, what is this? You know, it's because she was a minor. She's below age 18. Mm-hmm. But because he had retired, Social Security pays a benefit to that daughter. Mm-hmm. And he says, what do I do with it? I said, well, save it for college. I mean, you don't have mm-hmm. to do anything with it. Yeah. It's just your money. Yeah. Technically, you receive it because she meets the parameters of age and when you started. So that's the complexity here. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't happen very often because of mm-hmm. the age factors, but it does happen. Let's talk about something. I know, um, you know, the loss of a spouse is not fun or easy to talk about, but the other situation that's not as fun too is divorce. Mm-hmm. And Social Security uh, provides some benefit for divorcees, uh, but there are some requirements. I think if I recall, you have to be married for at least 10 years. 10 years. And you cannot get remarried. If you get remarried, then they look at you as a new unit, married mm-hmm. filing jointly, and the Social Security benefits are then sort of transferred and calculated according to that new sort of tax unit. We have to think like the government does when they consider this, Social the complexity Security. Of this, this is where I send people to Social Security office. I say, go mm-hmm. to the Social Security office, make sure you tell them what your circumstances are. And they'll know. Mm-hmm. They know your Social Security number. They know who you've been married to. They know if you've remarried. What I mean, they know. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. We talk about transparency. Well, they know it. So, but it is, it's kind of a quirky part of the social security payout benefit. You could take one individual and let's say, I'll, I'll, I'll pick on myself. Let's say that I married three times in my lifetime mm-hmm. and my divorced spouses never got remarried. 
And I was married to each one of them for 10 years. Mm. Oh, this is a good case study. What so happens? Every, every <laughs> single spouse could claim their Social Security benefit from mine. Yes. So Social Security would be obligated to pay out. Let's say everything was perfect. It landed on the perfect numbers. So at, at my full retirement age, I started claiming my benefit. Each one of those spouses, all three of them, could claim because they were married for me for 10 years and they did not remarry and they reached the, the primary. Now, what if you had remarried? Didn't make any difference. The previous divorcees, as long as you've been married to them for 10 yep. years, can still have a claim on your Social Security it's a benefits. Quirk, it's a quirky rule within Social Security. Yeah. But if somebody did not remarry, and it's interesting when you go back, that's one of the reasons why some people don't get remarried. So you find mm. older couples and they're going, no, I'm going to lose my Social Security benefit. I'll just stay single. We're just going to live together. I always think that's mm. kind of funny. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody that's in their 60s or 70s. Kind of said, partners. Yeah, and- we'll, just, we'll just live together. Yeah. <laughs> but the primary reason is economic. Is the income. Yeah. yeah it's economic. So yeah. it's kind of interesting how that works. And I have to go back and correct myself because I said once you start taking your Social Security benefit, for all intents and purposes, it stays the same for as long as you continue to take Social Security. But that's not actually accurate. The government does like to take into consideration inflation. Yep. And so on an annual basis, they um, publish a cost of living adjustment or COLA. So social, social security benefit is subject to a COLA, which means some sort of increase. Now, last year, the increase was pretty substantial. Well, it was, it was like the biggest, 8%? the biggest one in like 20, over 20 years, in fact, going back to the early eighties, but it was yeah. 8.7%. 8, it was a massive change. But the year prior to that, it was three to five percent. That's more it's average. Been, yeah. Inflation has been very low, moderate, except for the last few years. Mm-hmm. But so they, their increases were less than 1% in some mm-hmm. cases. So it was a very moderate increase. So mm-hmm. anyway. So as we look ahead for future years, and again, this is information you can find at ssa.gov. And they publish this information so you can look at what that cost of living adjustment is going to be. 2023, it was 8.3%, if I recall. 8, 8.7. 8.7%, if I recall correctly. And then in 2024, you know, it'll be adjusted for inflation. It'll be about three point. I forget exactly what it is, but it's like 3.7% is what they've already published. Oh yeah. They've already published it for what's going to happen in 2024. So those people that are receiving social security can say, Oh, okay, I'm going to get a slight boost. They Mm -hmm. always complain because their Medicare premiums go up at the same point. Mm -hmm. So you always sign up. There's a, there's a kind of time it. So speaking of other government programs or plans or benefits, one of the questions that we get asked a lot, you alluded to this earlier is, once I tar- start taking Social Security, can I continue to receive, one, earned income, active income from a job that they have, or two, if they have another qualified retirement uh, fund or program like a pension or a 401k or an, or an IRA? So how does Social Security work with some of those other income options? Everything pivots back to that full retirement age. Everything pivots back to that full retirement age because the full retirement age is uh, based on how much you beyond that. Once you reach that 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 line in the sand, so to speak, you can make as much money as you want, and it doesn't affect your Social Security benefits. Like a completely separate calculation. Now, again, uh, qualified accounts like four hundred one k, IRS four fifty sevens, four hundred three bs, those kinds of things. That's really it's kind of a parameter because remember those are not wages; mm-hmm. those are benefits. So mm-hmm. if you start mm-hmm. your t- you take money out of your retirement. And you can take money out of your retirement without penalty as early as 59 and a half. So mm-hmm. if you have a somebody who's starting to take maybe $1,000 a month or a couple thousand dollars a month, whatever, to supplement their income, their household, uh, they could do that. They could do that. It doesn't affect their Social Security. Okay. If they're working, if they're getting a W-2 or they're getting wages, what is considered by the IRS as income mm-hmm. from work-related activities, 
if they try to take anything before their full retirement age, there's an offset. So they can they can make I think it's like seventeen thousand dollars a year, but it's a pretty low number, mm-hmm. and everything gets to get offset like two for one. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you have to be really careful when you start when you start receiving Social Security and you're below that full retirement mm-hmm. age, how much money you can make because it could affect your Social Security benefit. So we just talked a lot there. So let's use a case scenario. So we have Susie, Miss Susie. Do you like that name? Should we go with another sure? No, name? Susie's good. I okay. like Susie. Susie, and she decides to quit her job at age 59 and a half because she knows she can start receiving an income from one of her qualified retirement accounts, let's say a 401k. Okay. So she starts withdrawing some from her 401k. However, her social security full retirement age, even though she's actually retired from her career, her full retirement age isn't until... Well, Let's say 66, 66 for social security, for social security. So she could essentially Susie in this case scenario could be receiving income from her 401k be between the ages of 59 and a half and 66 and then start taking her social security benefit at right. which time it would just go on top. Or she could 401k. take, she could take income out of her social security. She, no, excuse me. She could earn wages prior to her full retirement age, she just has to make sure that it doesn't go beyond the cap. 17,000 Whatever it is. And adjusts. it varies every year. Yeah. So you've got a lot of moving parts here. Yes. So again, our required minimum distribution age is now moved up to 73 or 75. And that's when you have to take money out of your qualified plans. Mm-hmm. But you can start a pension. Let's say that the pension was $3,000 a month. Mm-hmm. You start the pension at 55. A lot of times, and that just comes sure. to you. But remember, a pension is not wages. Mm-hmm. A pension benefit is treated differently by the IRS. Then you start, I could take some Social Security. So you have to be really careful about Social Security. And you continue to work. Mm-hmm. So you have to limit the amount of you work. You have to limit the amount of time that you take or the W-2 income mm-hmm. until you reach that full retirement age. Mm-hmm. And if you have a job that allows you to do that, they continue mm-hmm. to work until they're 70 or whatever. And we do. We have quite a few clients that move into, I guess, what we would call semi-retirement. Sure. It might be in their same industry, but maybe they're working more on a contract basis, not as many hours. Or for a lot of people, they launch into something that maybe they've always wanted to do. They sort of you know, stayed in the seat at their primary job through a d- certain duration to receive their retirement benefit. Right. Now they launch into something new where maybe income isn't the sort of main motivator yeah, if, if they're if they are uh, financially independent and social security is kind of an insignificant income to them mm-hmm. so they look at it and say okay what what do i do with it and I, you know again what we do for our clients is we take them through a, a planning process mm-hmm. and determine when is the best time for them to take their social security based upon their circumstances mm-hmm. and it's a software that we use and it's a planning software that we work and we be able to give them a number mm-hmm. optimally this is the best age for you to take Social mm-hmm. Security for the mm-hmm. benefit of you as well as your spouse and or children. And it's 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 really a good exercise to go through because people look at that and go, oh, I didn't yeah. realize I could take it at this age versus that age, right? But I like what you said earlier that it does depend. You know, it's not the case scenario for everyone that waiting until full retirement age or maximum benefit age, in your right. case, 70 is the right solution. It might be starting earlier is a better solution. So I think it's good to to play with some of those variables. And even if you're years before previous to receiving social security, you can still go online and get an estimate for what you can expect to receive in retirement. So you can do this planning work ahead of time and kind of put your mind at ease. And like we were talking about earlier, there's sometimes multiple streams of income in retirement. So we receive these checks potentially from different sources or these transfers into our account 
Let's talk about taxes. Okay. What's taxable? Do well, we social, still have to pay taxes? Social Security taxes? went, yeah. I stopped working. Well, <laughs> too bad. So sad. <laughs> you, remember, you have to pay for oh, Social Security. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah I okay. forgot about that. <laughs> so the, the biggest issue is that Social Security, when it was first initiated, they, they wrote the law that it was going to be tax-free. So the government was going to collect all these monies, and they would pay it out to you based upon their contract with America, so to mm-hmm. speak. And it was going to be 100% tax-free. And you have a really older generation, you know, the the older generation, they remember that. Hmm. But remember, it was supposed to be tax-free. I went, yeah, now it's 85% taxable, provided hmm. that you meet above certain guidelines. So if your income, if your taxable income is below a certain guideline or certain dollar amount. The hurdles is the what hurdles, they call them okay, oftentimes. You don't pay any taxes. Mm-hmm. But if your income is above that, and that includes all your incomes, that, may, that includes your your uh, pensions, your distributions for retirement accounts, right. interest. For a wealthy individual, sometimes their social social security is a, a minor portion right. of the right. income they receive. Right. So again, it's 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 not just cut and dried. It's not black and white. There's different circumstances, different ages. Whether it's the primary person, the the uh, PIA or the primary mm-hmm. income or, or earner, or it's a spousal benefit. So whether it's, a, I mean, again, there's children involved. There's a lot of factors that go into your final decision about what you do. So there's a formula that they use, but if you earn over these specific hurdles based on your tax filing status, married filing jointly, single head of household, et cetera, et cetera, they have hurdles associated with each one of those categories. If your income goes above that, your combined income, there is a formula that they use and you could owe up to 85% 85% of the social of 85%. Tax. If you look on the tax return, that's why I look at the tax return, because on the tax return, it'll show what the total social security benefit is. Mm-hmm. And over on the right-hand side, it'll show what's the taxable amount. Mm-hmm. And typically it's always, now it can be at lower income levels, it could be a smaller percentage that comes mm-hmm. across. Mm-hmm. But typically if you meet the full threshold, 85% of that comes over and is taxable mm-hmm. in your tax return. So mm-hmm. again, it's, it's never just Plain and simple. It, there's always little mm-hmm. nuances that go on and how they calculate and how they utilize it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, if we go back to our example, you know, Susie was taking her 401k withdrawals and then she also has social security benefits. She would be paying tax on both potentially. Yep. Yep. She potentially. could be because she's definitely paying taxes on the retirement monies that come out of her qualified account. Yeah. So, for sure. For sure. Okay. Now, again, these things are complex. And if you're thinking about some kind of social security, you know, how am I going to take it? What am I going to do with it? That's where working with us, we can provide you a plan and a strategy and showing you the different decisions that you would make and how it would have an impact upon your social security benefit that you receive, as well as what the taxable aspects of that is. Mm -hmm. We covered off a lot of topics related to social security, but alas, we got a lot under the surface. (laughs) There are a lot more and um, you can find resources online, but the ability to kind of whittle them down in terms of what really applies to your situation and your portfolio is difficult. And that's part of what we do here at Tricord Advisors. We love Love to sit down with our clients and take a complex and sometimes overwhelming task and simplify it so that we can help them make the best decision for their retirement. Because Correct. ultimately, we want our clients to be anticipating retirement in a, in a positive way, looking forward to what that sure. could mean for them. So don't let Social Security hang you up. Uh, <laughs> don't get too much in the weeds with it. If you need help, uh, please get in touch with us at Tricord Advisors. We'd be happy to help you. So I think that about wraps up our time. Well, again, I think for here, I think we've covered a lot of the subject matters, but again, the complexity of it, 
it was probably going to require more detail and more advisory services, which we can provide to you. Well, if you have any questions that you'd like answered on our podcast, we'd be happy to do so. So please send any of your questions to contact at tricordadvisors.com. You can also find more information on our website, tricordadvisors.com. And in the podcast, if you're tuning in, listening into this program, we're going to provide some resources, some links to some of those websites, as well as others that we talked about today. At Tricord Advisors, we are your future's best ally. Until next week, folks. May you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney, client, or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant, or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California Life Insurance Agent, California License Number 0518567. And Jeremiah Lee is a California Licensed Attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm.